Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it, but you should also know that Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, and we'd love for you to come and visit us. There you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. And if you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, all of that will be at your fingertips. It's a comprehensive tarot education for less than the price of, I don't know even what. My point is, it's a steal. And if you become a patron at the $3 level or higher, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways. Like Steve, who won last week's prize. Congratulations, Steve. Hope you like cats. This week, we're talking about the card known as the Knight of Wands, if you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or the Prince of Wands, if you use a Thoth deck or, say, a Tabula Mundi deck. If you check out the Prince of Wands card in Tabula Mundi, you will see that he is shirtless. Yeah, he's pretty hot. But there are a lot of open flames in that card, and he also looks kind of exposed. Maybe he needs a t-shirt. So for this week's drawing, we are giving away, you guessed it, a Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt. And not only are we giving away a Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt, if you are the lucky winner, you get to design it. You can choose any major arcana card from Tabula Mundi, and Mel will design a t-shirt around it and send it to you. Yes, it is indeed the coolest thing ever. You can find out more and sign up for the drawing at our site www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now, here's this week's episode. Okay, welcome to the Prince or Knight of Wands. The Prince of the Chariot of Fire, the Prince and Emperor of Salamanders, which is confusing because, you know, the Golden Dawn had a way of really conflating all of their male figures. So we have the Prince is sometimes called the Emperor. He's actually sometimes called the King, which is really confusing. Uh, so that just contributes to the whole mess of like Knight, King, Prince, Emperor, whatever. Um, and the further confusion between what element fire or air should be going with it. However, nevertheless, we are going to sort of put down our stakes here and say that this is the prince or knight of the chariot of fire, that the prince of wands in Thoth corresponds to the knight of wands in Rider-Waite-Smith. So uh, that's what we're talking about if you're just coming to uh, the court cards with us for the first time. And uh, and we are going to say that he is associated with the airy part of fire. Um, you will find people who say that he's associated with the fiery part of fire, but we're going with the airy part of fire. That's our story and we're sticking to it. <laughs> um, so the airy part of fire, this is something interesting uh, to me that that has a quality of acceleration. 
Yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. When you add oxygen to a flame, what happens? It shoots up. It's very gets very strong. And that makes sense yeah. because, you know, the the prince is a very in a very strong position because he has he's combining the best of his parents within him. He's got the steady burning flames of the queen and the volatility and energy of the knight or king. And in terms of the modalities, alchemically, we associate him with Quicksilver Mercury, uh, which makes him mutable in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. more mutable in nature, although his sign, primary sign, is fixed. That's right. It- Leo, the fixed fire right. sign. And he also borrows a little bit of cardinal from the previous sign, Cancer. So um, his three decans are the final decan of Cancer and the first two decans of Leo. And as we've said before, each court card has some cardinals, some fixed and some mutable, and that's how we see that. Uh, they are complex human beings. Another way of saying air and fire might be to say vow of yod. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's the the son, the um the son of the mother and the father. So he's the third letter of the divine name in the sequence. But the yod comes from fire. So fire, water, air, earth, yod he vow he, he's the vow of yod. He's the son of fire. Right. And you know something really interesting about that letter, Bob? It means nail, but the other thing that's really interesting about it is that, uh, as I've been studying Hebrew a little bit for the last month or so, I've come to learn that when you put that letter in front of a word, it means and. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a conjunction. Yeah, it's a conjunction. Yeah. So it combines two things. Just, just as, like a nail binds just as a two nail, things together. Right. And just as the prince combines the energies of his parents, which is kind of neat. Yeah. And in the, in that sequence of will, love, reason, and action, as a prince, he would correspond to reason. But as heir of fire, it's the reason guiding the will or the intellect modifying the will. So in the Knight of Wands, we had pure undiluted will, will of will, fire of fire. Mm-hmm. In the Queen of Wands, we have the emotions modifying the will. And then in the Prince, we see the intellect modifying the will. So it brings in the, the quality of reason to the creative process. Yes, that's really interesting because in the Chariot card, which is one of the majors that we associate with the Knight of Wands, um, because it's associated with cancer. We have one of the ways it's represented traditionally is the triumph of reason over will and appetite. You know, the charioteer is reason and then the two. Right. And then with the other major lust or strength, you have the appetite itself. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's really interesting. Okay. You know, princes are really interesting beings as well because they combine these two opposite forces, the the fire and the water of the two parents. You'll notice that in every prince card, if you look at their their major decans for their fixed sign, the first and second decan of their element, they're always very opposite cards. So just like he's a combination of two opposite things, fire and water, the the knight and the queen, 
look at the Deccan cards. So we might as well just go right yeah, into that. Yeah, let's because do the, that. The first two Deccans of Leo, which are the, the main parts of his psyche, are the five and the six of wands. So strife and victory. Yes. So it's that struggle and the victorious resolution, resolution of struggle. Yeah. Right, right. We always see that when we go from five to six, don't we? Yeah. That's sort of like the, the givora, the severity, the test and ordeal of the five to the perfection to the and balance. harmony of the six and mm-hmm. all the princes have as their minor cards the fours fives and sixes so we're going to see that in every one yes and we we didn't totally emphasize that with the other cards but all queens are tens twos and threes and all kings or knights are sevens eights and nines the interesting thing about these opposites, so if we look at the uh, five and six of wands, his two decans, you'll notice that the five of wands is ruled by Saturn, and the six of wands, that decan is ruled by Jupiter. So again, you have this opposite quality of expansion and contraction going on, this dual part of his nature, and, mm-hmm. and, and all the princes to some degree, have this going on. That's right. Although it will not always be Saturn following Jupiter. We happen to be in that part of the cycle where it goes moon, Saturn, Jupiter, moon and Cancer to Saturn and Leo to Jupiter and Leo. But we always will have some kind of tension of that sort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we go from luxury, blended pleasure, luxury or blended pleasure to strife, to victory. And so that tells you something about the nature of this guy, that he's comfortable with conflict. And the the shadow card or the, the, you know, hidden part of his nature, the four of cups, that last decan of cancer, I always think of it as he kind of has a love of drama and the emotional, you know, the emotional high points and being the center of attention that kind mm-hmm. of comes from that, I think. Yeah, I mean, also, it's a Leo thing, the pride and the attention, but the love of drama and high points um, and dissatisfaction when they're not there kind of comes from that Deccan, I think. Yes, yes. Not to go dark with it, but the fact is that this is uh, something that we've been seeing a lot recently in the news lately with Trump's love of drama and conflict um, and what that's meant for our political scene. This card rules his ascendant and uh, and also the Regulus point, which is included in the Five of Wands. In the Five of Wands, Strife uh, is on his ascendant. And uh, that's also Crowley's ascendant. So um, when we get to looking at the symbolism of the cards, we'll see how he in several ways marked that card as his own. Yes, more so than he did for his son card. Yeah, he was very identified with his ascendant sign for whatever reason. Yes. And before I came to be more familiar with astrology, I never really understood the significance of the ascendant. And I just sort of would not think about it too hard. But I think it's really important. It's really important. I mean, this is the way you present to the world. I think that there's a lot of ways, for example, I present as a Pisces in a lot of ways, much more so than I present as a Virgo to the world. And uh, and I've started to become a little bit more comfortable with that. Are you, um, what's your ascendant? Yeah, my sun sign is Sagittarius, but my ascendant is Aquarius. So That's I right. very much do identify with the Aquarian themes. But they're Plus, you've got the moon there, too. Yeah, so there, and Mars. So I have quite a bit of weird Aquarius energy. (laughs) (laughs) Quirky. Right. But I think, you know, um, as far as the ascendant, the Leo ascendant goes, I think it's sort of intensified by the theatrical presentation 
you know, being on a stage qualities yeah. of of the sign and the deck and, and uh, this particular card as well. Um, some readers think of this card as the kind of me, 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 you know, check out what I did, looking for approval and approbation and applause uh, with this card. Yeah, there's definitely that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you go to war because you, you know, you can handle the conflict or you're, you have the, you know, the the spirit for the conflict, but you also want the recognition. It's the, it's the, the quest for glory. It's yeah. in this card very strongly. The chariot of fire. Yes. So we can talk about Tiferet, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should do that. We should do that. So, so it's the first prince. So it's a good point to, uh, to talk about. Yeah. This is our first prince. So the, the Tiferet, we're always, pleased to arrive at the six. It is a moment of harmony and balance. Yeah, it's kind of like between the two the two extremes. If you look at him as being like this connecting force between the supernal parents, Hokma and Bina, and then it's kind of resolved in Tiferet. Yes, I I seem to remember that there's something probably in the Book of Thoth about princes in general as the you know, as the compromise between extremes or the the midpoint where it's able to express itself and act on the world. Yeah, I think it says uh, something about how when he's fulfilling the his expression in the best way, it's because he's invested with the power of his parents. Yes, right. And that there's something... Um, harmonious and beautiful about that. Let's remember that the, that Tiferet is associated with the sun and Apollo is a sun god. So there's these qualities of intrinsic rightness about that position and an ability to move forward as the sun moves through the sky. There's a naturalness of expression in the six in Tiferet. Historically, he's an interesting figure. So there's no equivalent in the playing card deck to the knight or prince of anything because those were dropped. In the playing card decks, we have jacks, which are corresponding to... Um, princess or knave. Right. Or princess page. or knave. or uh, and, and they were changed to jacks, incidentally, because knave was too much like knight, and that was confusing to people. So uh, since we had dropped the night. So anyway, so, but there is, there is a cardomantic tradition uh, in terms of early tarot where this figure was called the door knocker um, because a defining quality of him is that he's always going. Typically they emphasize the fact that he is leaving, but if he's leaving, he's also going somewhere. So he has to be knocking on someone's door. He's like the quintessential you know, all the princes are on chariots, but he's like the quintessential chariot because not only is he associated with Apollo, mm -hmm. the sun chariot, but one of his trumps is the chariot. So yes. he's like the, the epitome of chariotness. That's right. Interestingly, the Solobuska has him associated. Uh, they called him Apollino, you know, Apollo science. Uh, Atea said about him that he represents leaving and disunion, I guess, coming apart. He represents to you a knight. Um, his position indicates he's on the point of leaving and it signifies change. <laughs> Here's a funny one. It says, if it's for a young person, uh, and the cards reversed, it announces, uh, a, a marriage that was 
almost missed, <laughs> which is just strange. Uh, but the idea is that there's motion, there's, uh, there's, he's, he's a hard one to catch. Maybe we can talk about the astrological sign yeah. of Leo a bit. Yes, let's. And also the sort of transition from Cancer to Leo. Yeah. So Leo's motto is I will. So again, we have the will, the expression of will and the creative powers. Mm -hmm. And it is the only sign that is ruled by the sun. So again, we have that repetition solar of the quality, solar qualities. Yeah. It's almost doubled. It's fixed fire. So it's a, it's a fixed fire sign, very, very stable expression and probably the strongest expression of fire of the three fire suits. Yes. The most stable. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. If we look at that transition from Cancer to Leo, the star group says that it's the head, body, and tail of Leo, the body of Leo Minor, the hindquarters and legs of Ursa Major, and the head and forequarters of the Southern Dog. There's a lot going on in there. <laughs> yeah, and as well in that sector of the Zodiac, as you mentioned, is Regulus, the uh, royal star. Which, in Leo. Which mm -hmm. means the little king or the heart of the lion. Cor de Leon. Yeah, yep. it's the uh, watcher of the north. Right. When I think of the, every one of the princes are associated with one of those four royal stars because they're each, each of those four royal stars kind of marks a corner of the zodiac. So in, in every one of the directions. So these fixed signs, the Karubic signs, each has one of these stars in their Deccan. So it's almost like an anchor point within the fixed yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. It's like the thing anchoring down the fixedness of it. Mm -hmm. So um, the other thing that I always think of when I think of the princes is that when you think of these four powers of the Sphinx that we talk about, so we've been talking about the will in the wands. In the night, it's just this will arising. In the queen, then she's receptive to it. And in the prince, he's what's come out of that. And he is on his way. He's in a chariot. He's moving towards the princess and union with the princess. He is bearing that power, just like the chariot card, the Trump is bearing this precious object. He mm -hmm. is bearing that power on to the princess. That's his goal, ultimately, is to unite with her and bring her this power yes. that she ultimately wields. Yes, the, the chariot is on a mission. Uh, I think that's one of the defining qualities of the chariot is that uh, it is, that's what the armor represents. The, the, the fact that there's a purpose that's been given uh, or the grail that he carries in the, uh, in the Thoth deck and that purpose, its fundamental nature has to do with going from one place to another. And then having got there, he must make a show of it. He has to put on a little performance to gain the favor of the princess. And yeah, all the princes mm -hmm. are like on this quest to carry carry something forth. The power has, you know, been born and is now on its way towards manifestation in this realm. And whereas the the crab, you know, is protected by its outer shell, you know, this tender inside outer shell, and it's very lunar, you know, the the cancer being the one sign ruled by the moon, we go now to the one sign ruled by the sun, and the strength of the line is intrinsic. It's not protected by anything. 
except its own claws and teeth. But, you know, we go from a defensive to an offensive outlook. And that's also interesting if you look at the, um, you know, uh, looking from the Thoth chariot to the Thoth strength or lust card, we go from, you know, fully armored to fully naked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe we could go into each card by card just yeah. as a jumping off point. Yeah, we can do that. All right. A, a Knight of Wands, which in is the Rider same Waite. as in Rider Waite, is the Prince of Wands in uh, Thoth, just to remind you. And we see once again, as we've seen with, as we saw with the, the King of Wands in Rider Waite Smith, that he is turned towards the left, um, which Mel was saying has something to do with the way that the divine name goes from right to left in Hebrew. You can think of it that way. So that even though we think of left as the past in tarot, you can also read it as a going forward, as a progression forward. He is the fastest moving of knights. <laughs> you can see the salamanders of his suit uh, all over his raiment. And you can see gouts of flame really coming from his helmet. You also see the pyramids. Yeah, in the in the Rider Waite deck, it seems to be a wands theme, the desert. And, and mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't see any greenery sand, anywhere. Sand dunes and desert and pyramids. That's right. And you can sort of feel the heat of the sun in this air of fire. There's nothing but sky and heat in the card. Yeah, it's almost radiating off the, the desert, mm -hmm. the sun's heat radiating upward. And yet, like all uh, wands courts, he carries the wand that is still living, green leaves, and vibrant. Halter of the horse is interesting. It has these sort of like three-leaved devices on it, which could be clubs. The um, French word for clubs is trèfle, which is like trefoil, you know, three yeah, leaves. Yeah, I think of yeah. wands as corresponding to clubs yeah, as far as playing yeah. card associations. I always have until last night. <laughs> When I was reading that, they're really some, you know, there's a long tradition of them being associated with diamonds, you know, but it could well be that Pamela Coleman Smith herself associated them with, with clubs. If we look at what we see on the uh, horse's bridle there, of, we, we have laid out all the, all, all the cards that we associate with these court cards. So that means the chariot, the strength card, the four of cups, the five of wands and the six of wands. And if you lay all those out together, you see a real story of, of wanting to go mix it up, you know, <laughs> of going from a place of protection, the chariot and the four of uh, cups to one of just being in the thick of it and seeing what you can, what you can get out of it and then riding off in victory. And we also see, um, we have no lion in this particular court card as we did in the king and queen of wands but we do in in a sense in the strength card so strange it's so the strange it's the leo one yes. it's the only one that weight didn't put a lion on <laughs> i know that i know but you know as i said i i have so often seen every one of these court cards as every fire sign it's just funny that they they all can borrow from each other and weight himself said of this card that well he said that this figure although mailed is not on a warlike errand so here's this sort of like we talked a little bit previously about the sort of equivalencies of war and love. So, you know, he could be a lover, not a warrior as well. The motion of the horse is a key to the character of its rider. 
and suggests the precipitate mood or things connected therewith. So the important thing here is that although he goes from strife to victory, the point is not that there's antagonism about it. The point is that he wants to keep things moving. He wants them to change and that he will do whatever it takes to keep that happening. Um, we go from, and if you look at the sequence from four of cups to five of wands to six of wands, we see that constant motion and changing from, from stillness to frantic striving to coming home. Yeah. And I think that fluctuation is just intrinsic to his nature. That card is particularly interesting to us because it was Crowley's own card. Yeah, it's the um, card of his ascendant. So his ascendant falls in the decan of the five of wands. Happen to remember the degree? I've seen it as either seven or three. If you look it up, most sources say, you know, seven degrees of Aries, but I've also seen three. So maybe there was some birth time discrepancies as mm-hmm. often is the case. Yeah. Regardless, he's still in the first decan of Leo. So if we look at the the Thoth card, you can see on his chest there, there's the good old mark of the beast. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Crowley's personal sign. Oh, yeah. The winged disc looking even more it's phallic, phallic than usual. Yes. <laughs> and the other way he um, is said to have marked this card is that the posture that he's in is said to be his favorite yoga asana, the thunderbolt asana. Oh, no kidding. You notice that kind of awkward way he's yes. crouched. I always wondered about that because if I were in a chariot, that's not how I'd sit. <laughs> Take some balance. Yes. So perhaps it's speaking of, you know, that, that balance of Tiferet. And the other interesting thing is there are only in the Thoth deck, there are only two of the court cards that have pupils in their eyes. And this is one of them. And the other one is his sun sign, the queen of, no kidding of, uh, swords. No kidding. In, in the figure of the court the, card. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that Lady Frida did not like drawing faces, but she made the effort to put the pupils in for, for these. Isn't that funny? Huh. Intentional because they were both his, you know, his mm-hmm. cards. I guess he wanted to animate them a little more. Yes. And if you read his, the book of Thoth, he wrote a lot about yeah, he, this guy. He wrote more about that court card than any other because it was his. It was his. And it's sort of like what he does with the fool. I think he just kind of went on and on. But I, but you know, we were talking about before we went on air that it's almost like, it's almost like he was just like, well, now let me tell you about me. <laughs> he just, you know, uh, rather than sort of intellectually, analytically thinking, what should this card be about? He just did a self-portrait and he's like, okay, now you know what the Prince of Wands is. It wasn't an entirely positive portrait either. He exposed his flaws quite freely, as anyone will recognize. <laughs> I like what he says. He says that he always wins in the long run even if it's the very long run. <laughs> yes, which is certainly true for Crowley. I, uh, there's so much to quote from his from Book of Thoth, but I just chose a little bit. First of all, he said, the moral qualities appropriate to this figure are swiftness and strength. And we decided he just screwed up because <laughs> swiftness and strength are, of course, the hermetic titles of the eight and the nine of wands, which are not associated with the Prince of Wands. They're associated with the Knight or King of Wands, and we think that he just probably liked the idea of swiftness and strength and said, okay, that's me. But 
And this is funny because the very next sentence is, but he is sometimes inclined to act on impulse, which is probably exactly what just happened when he wrote that. Um, sometimes easily led by external influences, sometimes, especially in trifles, a prey to indecision. He is often violent, especially in the expression of an opinion, but he does not necessarily hold the opinion about which he is so emphatic. He states a vigorous proposition for the sake of stating it. And that is definitely true of that card. It's that impulse to like, just make a statement to be outspoken, regardless of really how strongly you feel about it. Yeah, it's almost like being on a stage. <laughs> yes, yes. And that can really get a person into trouble from time to time. You know, sometimes that need to express something forcefully, people will assume that you really mean it when you might not. <laughs> And it's sort of like when you're on a, when you're on a, a, a social media forum or something and you feel the need to express something that hasn't been expressed and then suddenly you're in hot water because everyone thinks that that's, that you have some kind of personal agenda. Looking at the, uh, Thoth card too, it's, it's almost like he's bursting through a ring of fire, you know, like yes. you see, you see these circus people jumping through a ring of fire. He's like bursting upon the scene and it's almost, there is definitely, yeah, here I am. <laughs> look at me. I am Leo. Yes. Yes. He's wide, his eyes wide open and his lion's eyes are wide open too. And he has, he does have the court crest of the winged lion's head uh, floating above his, oh, that's his, what that is. his own head mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the entire background behind him can, is almost like a mane or like an open mouth. There's something just radiating out it's, from there. It's bursting. It looks like it's like bursting forth. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think that's probably, you know, if you look at the five of wands, there is a quality of something bursting forth that, you know, erupting kind of magma force that we see in the five of wands yes the hear, disorganized flames of pressure cooker of fire under the pressure of saturn mm -hmm. and then it has to burst out exactly yes it's volcanic like that yeah and then if all goes well you know he he has the steady regulated flame of the six yep and you see in his hand he has that wand from the six of uh both the five actually and six of oh, wands yes didn't we first see that wand in the Three? In the three, yes. yes. And now we see it in the five and the six, and he's carrying that one. And that comes from the book T description, actually. So we can, we can read that, uh, mm -hmm. at this point, and it says, a kingly figure with a golden winged crown seated on a chariot. He has large white wings. One wheel of his chariot is shown. He wears corselet and buskins of scale armor decorated with a winged lion's head, which symbol also surmounts his crown. His chariot is drawn by a lion. His arms are bare, save for the shoulder pieces of the corslet. <laughs> he bears a torch or fire wand similar to that of the apprentice Adeptus. Beneath the chariot are flames, waved and salient. Mm -hmm. So I think the waved and salient flames, it's bringing back to our to our consciousness that combination of the steady flames of the queen and the uh, wavy flames of the night. So he's got both. Yes. Waved and salient flames. Yes. It's yes. not very evident on, no. on that card. There. Well, and also I'm thinking thought like, but you know, he's barely that, wearing anything. These are the waved mm -hmm. and these ones I'm pointing, you can't see here, but the, I think <laughs> the flames that are, you know, 
coming up from his chariot look more waved, whereas the ones he's bursting through look more like the straight flames. Right. And then there's this interesting background here between the sort of the below the rays of the top of the card. There's sort of almost a leopard print. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of reminiscent of, of the his queen. Mom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting when Thoth generally, um, you know, they are the least clothed. The Wands family are the least clothed of the courts, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you would expect the discs to be the most clothed because yeah, it's, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, we also associate Wands with the direction south, at least if we're in the northern hemisphere, which we equate with warmth. Yeah. But, you know, when you read the book of the, the book T description, yours is very much more faithful to that than the, uh, thoughts. So maybe we can move on to your card. Yeah. Like, um, like the description, he is bare except for his shoulder pieces there. Hey, you know, they keep saying corselet and buskins. What are those? Uh, the, they <laughs> are the, the, I believe now I'm no, armor specialist but i think the buskins are those shin shin guards oh yeah i think (laughs) i could be wrong but you can't see him in the card because Mm. he's standing in a chariot Mm -hmm. which that's why these descriptions are so hard if you're trying to to get every detail that's in there it's nearly impossible but you know i tried the best that i could yeah and And if you're visualizing it for yourself in 3d you can put the buskins on just put the damn buskins on right (laughs) So in the card, you you can play spot the uh, decanic minor symbols in the card. So mm-hmm. from the uh, four of cups, which is his shadow decan of the last decan of cancer, it might be hard to spot. But if you notice at the front of his chariot, there's this emblem of the scallop shell with the pearl that comes from... The card luxury. Oh, neat. I don't think I noticed that before. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And then from the Five of Wands, Strife, you'll notice the background, the exploding volcano is from the Five of Wands card um, as a motif. And then from the Six of Wands, you have the, the lion crowned with the laurel. That it also makes up his court crest, the winged lion's head. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also got the same uh, phoenix wand as in the Thoth deck. Yeah. So in in your court cards, and I'm trying to remember if this is the case, do you usually borrow the backdrop from one of the miners to form? Not always Not the always. backdrop. Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. but I, I consciously chose something suggestive from each one of the minor cards mm-hmm. as a visual element element in the court. It might be from the background, it might be an object, it might be yeah. but something that brought the meaning of that card to your mind. Yeah, because so, when I look at the Five of Wands and the Prince of Wands, there's a real just visual symmetry between them. And the same thing I remember is the case with Prince of Cups and Six of Cups. There's, you know, they almost have that. They're yeah, in the same they, landscape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and maybe yeah. that's maybe that's true because they're both sixes of fire and water. Mm. And I don't recall doing that completely consciously, but I mm-hmm. think that there is something to that. Mm-hmm. I, what I did do consciously is bring forth an element of each of the minor cards that would say something about. Than his nature. So in this case, the the volcano shows that pressure of strife because he straddles that line between strife and victory. You know, yeah, those, those two opposing forces we talked about. So he's got the the 
the pressure of the strife card and he's got the uh, laurel crown of victory as both as parts of the imagery in the card. And it's almost like the laurel crown of victory. It's almost like it's over his head and he's thinking about it, you know? Yeah, uh, he is the card of reason and right, intellect. So, right. Yeah. And that is the final Deccan that he is heading towards. Yep, so his ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's on his mind. <laughs> what about the lion in your card? It's sort of looking off to the right like that. Was that an artistic decision? Primarily? Yeah, primarily. Mm -hmm. But it kind of shows, it's kind of ambiguous which way he's facing, because in mm. a sense he's facing towards the left, but his lion is clearly steering right. Mm. And that's part of his nature, those two opposites that he's, that all the princes balance. Yeah. So the, the left, right, the male, female, the, you know, the, the Saturn, Jupiter, the strife victory. Yeah. All of those things. So he's got both directions going on. Mm -hmm. And there's something I think about, you know, if you just look at video of lines when they're just prowling and the head is going to the right and the left and Lord of all he surveys kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. We can uh, mention the geomantic figure, which mm -hmm. is Fortuna Major. Ah, Fortuna Major. Which is really interesting because the Six of Wands victory is associated with Jupiter, the Wheel of Fortune. It so sure there's, is. There's Fortune right there. That's his best, his best of his three <laughs> decans he's got going on there. Yes. That, uh, that geomantic figure is said to be wealth and favor and help. And it's good when there are hopes to win. Mm -hmm. Which brings us mm -hmm. back to uh, Crowley saying that he always wins in the long run. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm just thinking how, you know, we have six cards out for each here, and we could have extended that to include planetary majors. <laughs> we just, these are just so complex. Well, you, you know, we yeah. talked about in yeah. the preceding two episodes a little bit how majors are words Minors are sentences and mm -hmm. courts are whole paragraphs. Well, yes. it can be a pretty long paragraph. That's but you can right. tell a huge story with one card. Yes. Yes. In a way, they're almost the most interesting card to get in a reading, even though people kind of freeze up at them and think, oh, it's person. But mm -hmm. if you unpack them all, there's like, you could go on and on and on. Right. I think people freeze up because they could be so many different things. And you don't necessarily see all of that visually in, you know, in writer waiter thoughts, you see it much more in your cards, but it's hard to unpack if just in the context of the reading. Yeah, that's one reason why I did it that way mm -hmm. to, to bring it to light that there's a lot more to a court card than most people are aware of at first glance. Yes. You want to talk a little bit, I don't think we talked about this when we were talking about corresponding minors before, about his shadow in luxury or blended pleasure. To me, so if we look at the My Four of Cups luxury card, you see the, the great wave from the chariot card. And to me, when I see it, I think of his shadow as being that love of the emotional high point and dissatisfaction with anything that's not at the top of that that wave mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and a, a love of, you know, drama, a bit of, a bit of luxury and drama. Yeah. I often think of the shadow card as something of a, of a motivator. So Hid a hidden motivator. A hidden motivator. Yeah, so it's not the visible nature. Right. It's the, the invisible. The queen of wands wants to surrender control secretly. And that's why she has this dominant forceful nature. And the, the prince of wands 
has this desire nature that drives him to strife and victory. And it's there's a bit of a changeability to that card too. So even though he's yes. very fixed and and his sign Leo is a fixed sign and that decan of Cancer Cancer is a um cardinal sign yet because it's moon double moon you know mm -hmm. cancer and the deccan that's ruled by the moon there's that kind of changeable part of him mm -hmm. that seeks out change mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. as well as experiencing it within himself yeah so that was um we talked about the geomancy oh hexagram so uh hexagram 42 it's called Yi, which means augmenting. I have it as augmenting or increasing. Uh, it's a combination of the trigram for thunder, which we see in, you know, uh, all of the Wands court cards have three lines representing thunder. And then the other one is uh, Shun, which means wind. Wind. Air right? fire. Air fire. Also known as, um, I've seen it described as the bowl of the rain god. You cannot... You cannot increase without capturing. Oh, that's interesting in yeah. light of the Four of Cups with that kind of bowl-like wave. Yes. And, yeah, there. Yes. Interesting. So the idea is that, um, you know, so I, I think of two things with this idea of increasing. One, that when you add air to fire, the fire increases. But also this in this uh, metaphor of the bowl of the rain god, you know, this the 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 rain may be abundant but it will do nothing unless you have something to catch it in so i think that's another uh metaphor of increase for that trigram of the i ching i have a phrase to seize the moment and advance with sincere heart to benefit those below oh i see and that seems yeah. very leonine to me mhm mm both mm -hmm. both the advancing and seizing the moment, but also a generosity of heart that is yes. really inherent in Leo's nature. Yes, it's something that balances the ego that we associate with the sign. The king is the center of attention, but the king serves the people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, applications, practical applications. So practically, when I see this card, the first thing I, I think of is a bit of attention seeking often like something bursting upon the scene something demanding attention um, or someone or someone yeah someone there there can be like a bit of pride going on or or ego hot-headedness or it can just be a a creative goal you know that you're really invested in and moving towards and i think about that action of the prince to carry a power. So in his case, he's carrying that power of the will. So he's, he's got the, all the virility and potential of the knight and all the steadiness and lucidity and reflective power of the queen. And he's taking that and he's using it in complete, you know, his goal of will fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not just physically on the move, but expressively on the move, um, creatively on the move. Um, I get, I don't get him a ton, but I get him when I'm going places, doing things, literally traveling. Um, he is one of my car 
cards. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I yeah. said, the quintessential chariot. I yes. mean, you know, he's the of the four princes. He's the most chariot-like of them all, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Because chariots, you know, they're active in a way, but they're also enthroned and stable. Again, it's all about the will force, you know, he's the balanced will force. Mm -hmm. Every time I went on a trip with this card and got this card, it wasn't like a trip where I had to go do something for myself, like go shopping or do something. I've always had to go meet people or do take somebody somewhere. You know, there is it's an always, extrovert. It's an extrovert there's an extrovert card. card. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. There's never just like you yourself and you. <laughs> I also have had it for, oh, this is funny. Uh, got it the day our solar panels went up. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, card of Leo ruled by the sun and up they go on the roof. <laughs> um, Oh, and I've gotten it a few times when I've had to do self-marketing in a way, you know, or that branding, total which sense. total totally yeah. makes sense. Not one of my favorite things to do, but, uh, but you have to. And, uh, and I get that. Ta-da, look at me kind of advertising, uh, feeling, uh, for that card on that, on days like that. All right. Did we get it? I think we did. I think we got it. Okay. So, um, so with the Prince of Wands or Knight of Wands, if you're, uh, Waite Smithy, we have talked about the combination, the airy part of fire, the fixed persistent effort of fire. Uh, we've talked about the transition from Cancer, the chariot to Leo, the strength or lust card, luxury giving way to strife and victory, fame and pride. Will fulfillment, egotism, but also service, the consciousness or intellect modifying the fire force of creativity mm -hmm. or reason guiding the will, the concept of augmenting or increase, the constant motion, the heart of the lion, the royal watcher of the north, and the heart of the tree, the Sephira Tiferet, uh, the idea of self-marketing and the idea of Departure and arrival. And the idea that all princes are balancing two kind of opposite forces within. Yes. Because yes, of true. their relationship in the familial story as being the son of the father and mother. So all the princes have these opposing themes going mm -hmm. on. And how we end on a note of resolution with the prince always, you know, with the sixes. Because he always wins in the long run. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. I think that's it for his lion-hearted self. And we will be uh, back next week with our very first Princessor Page, the Princessor Page of Wands. We hope you'll join us for that. And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse but there are also a number of other places you can find me and mel on the internet all of mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarotcart.com so that's your first stop if you want to find anything related to the rosetta tarot or the tabula mundi tarot She's also just started selling signed and matted prints of the Tabula Mundi cards there. So now you can fill all your sacred spaces with beautiful tarot art. As for me, my forthcoming book, Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers, is available for pre-order online at Amazon, Book Depository, and more. Just search for Tarot Correspondences, T. Susan Chang, 
something like that. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints. I also have my Zodiac perfumes there, so you can pick up a bottle of the Mystic Sea for your favorite Pisces, or the cool yet electric Aquarius perfume, which I call Streams of Stars. All of that is at www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. And if you'd like a Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. They are at our Red Bubble shop, redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. And for those of you who have been our listeners for a while, thank you. You are the reason we do this. If you're loving Fortune's Wheelhouse and the fantastically geeky world of tarot we bring you each week, would you do something for us in return? Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It's especially easy if you have an iPad or iPhone. Just search for Fortune's Wheelhouse in the podcast app. And when you see us, tap on our groovy purple album art with the Wheel of Fortune on it. It'll take you right to a page where you'll see a reviews tab. And there you can drop us some stars or leave us a sentence or two, whatever you feel inspired to do. And if you just want to talk tarot, well... You can find me, Susie, on practically every Facebook tarot group there is under the name T. Susan Chang. Thanks for listening. We always love hearing from all you heroes of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.